This is a Main Hustle Media Podcast. All the way from the A, you listen to my favorite lesbian on BRQ. Hey, stay locked in with your favorite lesbian on Black Radical Queer. Yeah. Hey y'all, this is Javia Nicole, aka your favorite lesbian, and you're listening to Black Radical Queer Podcast, our stories on our own terms. Hey y'all, this is Javia Nicole. Welcome back to Black Radical Queer Podcast. First of all, I hope that you all are doing well. Um, If you're not, then I hope that changes soon. And I hope that you get whatever it is that you need to be well. So whether that's self-care, community care, rest, whatever that looks like, you know, hope that you receive that. I'm putting that out into the universe for all of you. Um, So today, what I wanted to do for this episode is actually a social media roundup. Now, um, Those of you who've been listening for a while um, already know that I do this periodically. It has been a while since I've done since I've done a social media roundup. So um, as as I've been kind of scrolling through Facebook and Twitter and everything, I'm just like things have been popping up that have caught my eye. And I'm like, let me just make note of this so I can circle back to this on the podcast because folks is wild out here. (laughs) Um, So uh, just a couple of days ago, you know, we celebrated MLK Day. And um, so I was you know, seeing different posts that are related to MLK. Um, I saw, I watched The Daily Show with Trevor Noah and um, there was a segment on there called MLK Day Fails. So I'm like, okay, let me, it was like recommended on YouTube. um, So, or trending on YouTube. Yeah, it was trending on YouTube. So I decided to watch it. And in this segment, there were a few things that were pointed out. So apparently there's this store um, and they decided to have an MLK Day sale, but their sale was 25% off everything black. (laughs) So that was their MLK Day promotion. All right. So Hot Mess Express can't make this stuff up. I'm just like, are y'all kidding me? The um, the next thing in the segment, and I'm going to include a link so that you can actually like watch the full thing because I just wanted to um, touch on this like very briefly. But um the second thing was <laughs> there was this like club flyer promoting a party. I'm assuming like an MLK Day party. And y'all, they had a picture of Martin Luther the King Jr. <laughs> uh, photoshopped with gold chains and um, like a, a more, I guess, a present day haircut. And just it was just crazy. I was like, are y'all serious? So they didn't photoshop your boy to look like he about to go to the club and they got him on a flyer for an event, some like twerk event or something. <laughs> so that's a hot mess as well. And then um, one of the other things they mentioned on the segment was this guy who was saying, you know, I, he he's a proponent of like basically right to bear arms or just gun. You know, he's like very pro gun. And so he's like, you know, I believe that if um, King were alive uh, today, he would agree with me and all this type of stuff. And, you know, if we had um, if everybody basically was had guns back in the day, then we probably would not have even had um, slavery or basically like that would have changed the course of history. And I'm just like, my guy, 
Um, what? <laughs> well, absolutely. If slaves had guns, yeah, that would have been a totally different situation, but it probably would not have worked out the way you wanted it to, buddy. Um, so anyway, just a hot mess. Um, I'm going to include a link so that you can so that you can watch the the like episode or whatever. But y'all, it's a hot mess. OK, a hot mess express. <laughs> So um, anyway, I just want I wanted to briefly mention that because you have to actually go watch the um, the episode because it's really it's very ridiculous. But yeah. All right. So the next thing I wanted to talk about was this post. Um, <laughs> y'all lots of hot messes all over social media. But anyway, there's this post. I won't say the person's name because um, I don't know her. And so I just won't do that. However, this post is interesting. I'm going to just read the post to you because I don't know if, you know, with the way settings are, like if I include the link, I don't know if everybody will be able to see it or if you have to be like a friend or something like that, whatever. So I'm going to read this post to y'all and I'm going to tell y'all how this is a hot mess. So in this post, this person said, so they, they posted a picture of the character Lottie from um, Princess and the Frog. Lottie uh, was basically um, like BFFs with Tiana. Now, I will give the disclaimer that personally, I have not watched the entire Princess and the Frog because it pisses me off that she was a frog for 99.99% of the movie. So I hadn't been able to actually get through the whole thing because it just honestly pisses me off. Um, So yeah, I'll just, that's my little disclaimer or whatever. But um, regardless, I still think that whether you've seen the movie in its entirety or at all or whatever, there's still a, a broader point that I'm going to circle back to that it, you'll get regardless. All right. So the post. Can we talk about this character for a second? Lottie was Tiana's best friend and growing up together, she was the one that always got what she wanted. She was spoiled, but she was always there for her friend. Even grown, she always looked out for Tiana from, from cleaning her up at the party while dancing with who she thought was the prince to kissing a frog so Tiana can have her happily ever after. She didn't resent Tiana for stealing her crown, but instead she was at their wedding with tears in her eyes, smiling happily as her best friend was walking out with the man she loves. Charlotte, that's Lottie. Charlotte is one of the best characters in Disney history, and I believe if there were to ever be a sequel to to the princess and the frog, she should get her happily ever after. I think she would be a wonderful addition to the Disney princesses and would be a wonderful role model for little girls who grow up getting everything, but teaching them that true love and friendship is so much better than any materialistic possessions. Truly an amazing woman and an ideal character. All right. So that is the post. And let me tell you how this fucked up. So basically, um, the situation is you have a white person with privilege and money who is just being a decent person to this black girl and so she deserves a spinoff and praise and admiration and to be a disney princess because of that so this the, it really goes back to this thing of folks are always looking for ways to absolve white people okay um if if white if a white person does one decent thing because it doesn't even have to be like particularly nice per se it's just decent like if you're just not a terrible person then you deserve kudos and pats pats on the back and cookies and gold stars and that's so ridiculous because that's not the case for anybody else but for white people oh this white person said a nice thing to a black person they must be a saint like it's so ridiculous it is so ridiculous and this is a prime example of that because this character 
was decent to her black friend, she deserves all the all this stuff. Like she was already privileged. She was already rich. So you're trying to basically hype her up, you know, or play her up or whatever as if she was so amazing. So this is my thing. I think people don't realize uh, consciously that when you assert stuff like this, you're basically it's still dehumanizing to black folks. Okay. It's dehumanizing because you're basically saying, look, this white person treated her like a human being. They deserve praise and all this other stuff because apparently it's some feat. It's some magical, wonderful thing that you actually treated a black person like a human like with some decency. So that just goes to show that this dehumanization of black folks is very much ingrained because underneath that is this idea that, you know, black folks shouldn't be treated well. So it must be, you must be going out of your way to treat a black person well. Like you deserve recognition because you're treating a black person well. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And it should be recognized how ridiculous that idea is. Um, The other thing is too, you know, black folks, and people of color um, are often looking for reasons to uh, praise white folks, quote unquote, invite them to the cookout. Um, and it really does go back to absolving them. Um, I mean, a white person do, do one nice thing or they, they can dance a little bit or they cook something. It's like, you're invited to the cookout. Oh, this person's great. Like we are so, um, we so readily, we so readily welcome in our oppressors. And it's, um, it's really crazy to me. And it's almost like a Stockholm syndrome type of situation, honestly, because, you know, you've been so, um, so oppressed and so, um, so inundated with like, with negativity and all this type of stuff from white people that you get shown a little bit of kindness and you cling to it or a little bit of decency. I won't even say kindness. You just get the hint, a whiff, (laughs) a sprinkle, a pinch of decency. And it's like, oh Lord, this person is amazing. And, but that is like the classic structure of an abusive relationship. Somebody is treating, let's say a partner treats their partner crappy. They treat them terribly so that when they do do something nice for them and they do treat them nice, that other partner clings on to that and that gets magnified. Or even in just, you know, not necessarily an abusive, abusive relationship, domestic violence situation or whatever, Let's just say in any relationship, when you're going through that, that honeymoon phase or, you know, we are, our brain is on drugs. Okay. We are high off of infatuation. And so when we're in that state, everything that's great about a person is just amazing. And anything that could potentially be a red flag or anything that, um, is, you know, not great. We, it's, it's minimized, it's, it's diminished, but anything that we see is great. It is the most spectacular thing ever. And so we cling to that. And so it's the same situation, how this relationship that black people have with white people, they do one thing and it's like, invite them to the cookout and yeah, we can hang out and all this kind of stuff. And I'm just like, you know, and that's why I have a lot of problems with this, um, with the idea of allyship and all that, but that's a whole other thing. And I've, I've mentioned that to y'all before, but, um, it's just, it really, um, irritates me to see um, white people can do the absolute most. I mean, the absolute least and get the most. They can do the absolute least. So just a dash of effort. And it's like they can get, you know, the recognition as if they've been a civil rights hero or something. 
and and it all boils down to you know them just doing something that is common decency or that's just common courtesy and being so unaccustomed to that because white supremacy is rampant in our society that that is clung to you know it's just like oh my gosh this person did a nice this white person did a nice thing or didn't treat me like crap because it's not like oh they just treated me fantastically it's like oh they didn't treat me badly this is a novel concept like i can't believe they didn't treat me badly so they must be a great person it's just a problem right so there's that and the other side of that too is just even in general with friendship you know when you have a friendship like you do invest in your friendship a friendship is a, is a type of relationship of course and when you care about people um when you're building relationships you invest in it whether it's mentally emotionally spiritually and or financially there's an investment that takes place and so charlotte you know just being a friend to tiana um is not some major accomplishment to be celebrated unless you see tiana as undeserving of friends and if she's undeserving of friends why is she undeserving so that's what i mean by things being ingrained if if charlotte deserves all these props and kudos then it must mean that this is a feat she accomplished something by being friends with this little black girl and that's a problem. So yeah, that definitely has to be um, has to be unpacked. Um, but anyway, but back to the friendship thing. Yeah. So you know, it, it's not like some um, Charlotte isn't special for investing in her friendship, like for just being a good friend. You see, your friend needs help. She saw her friend needed help. She helped her friend. The end. She doesn't have to be throwing a party and a parade for that. Like that's just you being. That's what friends do. Like that's the whole point of you having a friendship that you don't just like you know walk away like this somebody. A stranger on the street like you show compassion and empathy to your friends so that's not some unique thing that charlotte should be praised for okay investing in your friendships is normal and speaking of investing you should also invest in your personal growth and development okay and one of the ways that you can invest in that is with spectral wellness spectral wellness offers coaching and retreat space for activists trying to manage work, life, and activism. For anyone who's worked in the nonprofit industry, you know how it is to combat imposter syndrome, feeling overworked, undercompensated, and burnt out. The founder of Spectra is my friend Bianca. Um, Bianca Campbell is a Black queer project manager. Years ago, Bianca and I coached pregnant people at a clinic together. Um, I saw how they advocated for the entire team at staff meetings and how they supported co-workers um, to help them feel empowered and to feel like leaders. So now they are combining their tenderness with their accountability. So um, they're showing others how to create the boundaries that they need at work, life and activism. So you can move from a full cup. I'm excited to see them share those gifts out with the world. You can follow them on Instagram. So the IG is at Spectra Wellness. Spectra is spelled S-P-E-K-T-R-A. So that's at Spectra Wellness altogether. The first three people, the first three BRQ listeners, who follow Spectral Wellness and also DM Bianca with the hashtag Black Rad Queer, B-L-K-R-A-D-Q-W-R, will get their first coaching session for 50% off. Again, the first three people who follow Bianca at Spectral Wellness on Instagram um, will, and you have to DM, DM Bianca with the code hashtag Black Rad Queer, B-L-K-R-A-D-Q-W-R, you'll receive your first coaching session 50% off. If you work at a nonprofit, especially a larger nonprofit, coaching should be a part of your professional development budget. They need to invest. What I was just talking about, invest. So these folks should be investing in your professional development, okay? You deserve to feel supported at work 
if we're fighting for justice, then these organizations should be accountable to starting that work internally. Hey, charity starts at home. So we're trying to take care of the world, but we need to be taken care of too, because you absolutely cannot pour from an empty cup. Okay. So get some balance, get some affirmation and get some coaching from Spectra Wellness. All right. So um, the next thing that I wanted to talk about, which kind of relevant to wellness, I mean, it is relevant to wellness because it really um, boils down to resources and access, you know, type of thing. All right. So I saw this uh, tweet circulating on the Internet. And um, this is a tweet by El Elt. What, y'all? I'm struggling. <laughs> it's a tweet by um, Chelsea Fagan um, or Fagan. I'm not sure how to pronounce Chelsea's last name is F-A-G-A-N, maybe Fagan. But anyway, Chelsea says a lot of things that we think take a lot of courage actually just take a lot of money. Quitting your job with no backup money, calling off a wedding money, starting over in a new city money. Accurate. <laughs> it's very easy to have the courage of your convictions when you have a safety net. And very difficult to do anything on principle when you don't. Preach, Chelsea. All right. So absolutely accurate. I absolutely agree with that. Um, You know, there's an old expression, you know, money can't buy happiness. It's bull. It's, bull. <laughs> it's BS. All right. Um, right. I'm trying to work on my use of profanity. OK. But anyway, so but it is some BS um, because the reality is accessibility matters. And the more access to resources you have, the more comfortable your life can be and the more comfortable you can be, then the less stress, the more happy. I mean, I'm just saying. So this idea that just step out on faith and just do it and just go for it. It sounds fantastic in theory, but in reality, the average person oftentimes cannot do that. We do have bills to pay um, because we don't, don't, you know, regular working class people often are not making a living wage. Folks are living check to check. And so it's difficult to basically just say, okay, forget that. I'm just going to step out and do what it is I really want to do with no type of security, you know, with no type of safety net. It's not realistic. So there's a lot of um, kind of like inspiration rhetoric and things like that that circulate like, you know, all you have to do is take a chance. And it sounds all frou-frou and pretty and beautiful, but it's not practical for the average person because folks got bills to pay. People have things to do. People can't really just drop their life or rearrange their whole lives to pursue something that they want to pursue. And if they had more money, they will have access to more resources and um, be able to pursue what it is they want to pursue. There was this tweet um, and I'm pretty sure it was um, the Trudy. I think Trudy's Twitter handle is like the Trudes, like T-H-E-T-R-U-D-Z. And um, she said something to the effect of like the biggest like scam is this whole concept of a dream job. Like, oh, what's your dream job? Like, and she was just like, you know, my dream would be not to have to work. <laughs> but that's, you know, the society we live in. It's like they ingrain that in us early on to um, to dream of working, to dream of laboring. Just think about that. It's insane. You know, it's really ridiculous um, when you think about it. So this whole idea that like, oh, well, just go for it sounds nice, but it's just not realistic. And we've been ingrained and indoctrinated to like labor, like we have to labor for everything. And that, you know, if you just work a little harder, it'd be fine. And, you know, the, the emphasis is not put on resources. So it can sound great like, oh, you just need to work a little harder and you'll have what you need. When the reality is, no, you need more resources and that a lot of issues that you may have, you may not you may not have to deal with if you have more money. If I had more money, oh, a lot of things would be solved. Would I work? 
probably not like who like ultimately for real for real is like is it anybody's dream to actually work or we are just so indoctrinated to um to work and to labor in this society that you know we are fed this construct of a dream job. And so we started dreaming of working as a child. You know, we started dreaming of working. And it's so ridiculous as opposed to, you know, pursuing things that we just enjoy just because we enjoy it. We have to think about what do you want to be when you grow up? And it can sound lofty and nice and like, oh, you know, talking to the kids or whatever. But ultimately that's like, what kind of work you trying to do? <laughs> like what kind of work are you trying to contribute to this to capitalism? And so just looking at it and looking how that's something that, looking at how that's something that starts from childhood is just crazy to me. Um it's really sad. Um but yeah, m- there's a lot that more money could solve, you know, more access to things, more resources. And people who think otherwise or say otherwise it's just because they have the privilege to do so. If you don't need more money, if you don't need more money, then good for you, but that's a privilege and that's not the average person's reality. So yeah. I definitely agree that I think what it is, is things that, um, you know, in terms of kind of stepping out on faith, people who are privileged and who have money can say that it takes courage. People who are broke can say that it takes money. What it takes is just different from is based on where you're coming from and where you're, you know, where your starting point is or whatever. But to just say as a generalization, like, oh, well, you know, money can't buy happiness. Money can't do this. Money can't do that. It's easy to say when you have it. When you don't have money, you are acutely aware of all the things money can do. Okay. And money can do a lot. That's what our world runs on. All right. So another thing that I saw on social media. So um, there's been a lot of talk about Lizzo and fat phobia and just so many articles and pictures and stuff circulating around these internet streets. Um, it's just been very crazy to see. And um, this whole concept of fat phobia, I mean, something I think about it a lot. I mean, I'm a fat black woman, you know, so um, I'm aware of how I take up space and how I move through spaces and how people receive me and interact with me and stuff like that. And so it's just a highly um, conspicuous way to exist in this world okay so anyway i mean people been talking about been talking stuff about lizzo since lizzo um has increased in popularity people continue to just say what they want to say so um jillian michaels was in an interview and she was asked about lizzo and first of all of course this was i'm just like sure in my mind this was like of course a setup because of course we all know what Jillian Michaels now I won't say we all for those who don't know who Jillian Michaels is or what she does she is a I guess you could say a trainer um, but she has been responsible for um, she's been a part of stuff like The Biggest Loser so shows where folks are losing a ton of weight like a whole lot of weight in a fairly short time frame and so she very much you know is a proponent of weight loss and stuff like that so she was asked about Lizzo and you know with me knowing Lizzo is a fat artist that that was a setup in the first place. But Jillian said, why are we celebrating her body? Why aren't we celebrating her music? Because it isn't going to be awesome if she gets diabetes. There's never been a moment where I'm like, and I'm so glad she's overweight. Okay. So there's this... There's, I've seen there have been more conversations about um, like concern trolling and people policing fat people's health and, you know, all this type of stuff in regards to their weight, in regards to the weight of fat people, whatever. And so it's just so interesting to me because these conversations, you know, folks are like, oh, well, what about the health stuff where, you know, people who are not fat can have plenty of health problems. That's not um, exclusive to fat people. Um, And on the flip side of that, so outside of the people just doing the, um, what I consider to be 
con- concern trolling, basically. What people are also doing is like in their attempt to, I guess, defend Lizzo. They're like, oh, well, you know, Lizzo um, is on tour and she does this long of a set and she does all this physical stuff during her set and she plays the flute. And, I was, and they're, you know, they're really utilizing these things, trying to basically say, oh, well, she still does all this stuff, this stuff, even though she's fat. But Lizzo should not have to earn the right to be fat. It shouldn't be like, oh, well, you're fat, but it's acceptable because you can do a concert. You're fat, but it's acceptable acceptable because you can play the flute, you know? So, um, you know, just like a lot of people comment and say things to her about, oh, you're so confident. I wish I had your confidence. And this is similar to what I was saying about um, the in the situation with um, Tiana and the character Charlotte, where it's like, oh, well, you know, the person who made that post on Facebook saying she deserves, um, you know, props and all this kind of stuff because she was a friend to Tiana. And I'm just like, OK, so you just get props for, <laughs> you know, for being a friend. Um is similar in terms of people are like, oh, well, Lizzo, you're not like other fat people. Like you get props because you can do all these things. And so people, um, you know, they're like, oh, you're so confident. Um, I wish I had your confidence. And the way they're looking at it is like, oh, you're confident in spite of being fat. And I wish I could be confident. You know what I'm saying? And so it's that kind of thing. It's really ridiculous to um, to have that mindset. You know, um, she can be confident and fat not confident in spite of her fat, in spite of being fat. And that is how she is treated. And that's how people um, approach her as a um, pop culture person or as a um, topic. They're like, oh, she's so confident. I love her confidence. And honestly, it starts to sound like a dirty word because people say it so much and what there's is loaded when you're refer- when it's like you're talking about confidence and you're referring to um, a fat person, especially a fat woman, especially a fat black woman, like, there's some things underneath that it's loaded, you know, it's not just a face value statement. So that's a lot to, um, it's a lot to that folks have to unpack around that, you know, I've just been, Oh, she's, I love her confidence, right? She can be confident and fat, not confident in spite of her fat. Okay. So there's that. Um, and for people think who think they're mean or people who mean well, but it's like some things that you're saying actually are just further perpetuating fat phobia. So like the confidence thing, Oh, you know, she's so confident blah, blah, blah. Like, okay. If you're saying like, in spite of her body or despite her body, she's so confident. Um, it's dehumanizing. And that's, is, that's what I meant by saying it was similar to the situation with, um, you know, the princess and the frog or whatever, um, with saying, oh, this character deserves props for being a friend. I'm like, so you're saying that, what, that Tiana's just so despicable that she you know that it's just amazing if you're able to be a friend to her it's the same thing that you're saying if you're like oh well you're so comp like oh well despite being fat you're so confident like I just can't imagine how you can be confident and be fat you know that's the that's what's ingrained underneath that that's what's in the background of that okay so so that you know there's a lot of ingrained fat phobia um and it's something that we need to um we got to unpack you know, I, so this, I mean, it especially stood out to me because like I, um, you know, have been dealing with fat phobia or whatever, been dealing with it for a long time. And I was having a conversation with a friend and they said something that was, um, fat phobic. And I know in the moment they didn't, um, that wasn't their intention or whatever, but it was absolutely their impact. And because 
fat phobia is something that I know they have issues with. It just really rubbed me the wrong way. Um, and it just reminded me of like how ingrained it is. And this was just around the same time as like the whole Jillian Michaels thing. So I was just like, geez, like, you know, fat folks cannot catch a break. That's just the way our society is. Our society is not designed to be accepting of fat people. So, yeah. Um, the other thing I want to mention is that just because you um, have friends or lovers or partners or whoever that are fat does not mean that your ass ain't fat phobic. Oh, I meant I did not mean to curse, but <laughs> but it does not mean that you're not fat phobic. You could still be fat phobic um, if you're treating these people like, oh, well, you're not like those fat people. You're the exception or you wear yours well or, you know, things like that. Um they're, they all have some type of roots in fat phobia. And so we all have things to unpack. And that's not, that's um, also including fat people ourselves. Like we can um, spew and perpetuate fat phobia as well. It's very much ingrained. All right. So yeah, that is very much ingrained. Okay. So the last um, thing that popped up on social media that I wanted to um, mention. So this was another tweet. And y'all, I saw this tweet and I just had like a, I saw this tweet and I had like a visceral <laughs> reaction. I was like, really? So this is a tweet. All right. Dog dander can give me an instant asthma attack. So yes, your service dog may be your buddy, but he may also be my health hazard. So then what? Can you point out what is wrong with that statement? So basically this is someone who has some type of, um, thing that they're afflicted with asthma and they're putting down someone who uses a service dog it's so first of all they said you know your service dog may be your buddy that's literally first that's contradictory that's literally not what a service dog does like service dogs are working dogs so this is a resource for this person and for you to minimize and be like, oh, that's your buddy. But, you know, I got, you know, asthma. So you're basically creating this uh, this hierarchy like, oh, what I got going on is worse than what you got going on instead of being more empathetic and being like, oh, well, you know, it, I don't know. That's just a hot mess, honestly. Tell me your service dog may be your buddy. Um, there's so much disservice done in regards to disabled people. Um, this particular tweet kind of spiral created this whole like spiral, and people were talking about you know access to rideshare services like Uber and Lyft, and you know drivers. This this lady said that a driver um wrote saw her saw that she was in a wheelchair and wrote right, right past her. Someone else said that you know the driver saw they had a service dog and drove right past them. Things like that. So, um, <sighs> disabled folks already have like limited access to certain things or whatever. Um, so let's say in the situation. Uh, with a tweet, that person drives for like a rideshare service. Okay. You can choose like, okay, I can't have, you know, dogs in my car because I'm allergic or whatever. Okay. Or I have a really bad reaction. Okay, great. You expressing that does not require you to put down someone else and be like, oh yeah, your service dog might be your buddy. Like it's so unnecessary and it's so inaccurate and it's so disrespectful. Um, I really think that folks just need to be more mindful and more educated (laughs) <laughs> on the things that they say before they say it. But um, I don't know. That might be wishful thinking. <laughs> um, so, yeah, 
it's there they create they clearly create a hierarchy like okay well my situation is worse than yours instead of being like we both you know have things we need to address let's address them together like if i have the asthma situation let me make sure i have so what somebody suggested that i thought was a good suggestion um was that oh okay you can't transport this person in your car because they have a dog and you have allergies then you know if you could kind of just wait with them while they request another ride to just make sure that they get picked up okay great i think that's a great idea you're not obligated to put yourself at risk however that doesn't mean you have to basically throw a disabled a disabled person under the bus because you feeling however you're feeling like the lack of mindfulness is just astounding and some folks are just me i mean sometimes the way stuff comes across like i'm just like did you really think about this <laughs> did you really think this through before you tweeted it because okay it's a hot mess all right y'all i've said hot mess a few times this episode um but yeah i appreciate you tuning in as usual thank you for doing that um and just a reminder that i am trying to get my step my game up in terms of my patrons um I want to try to get to, by the end of this season, 10 patrons, 50 bucks. Shout out to my current patrons. I sent y'all a little email just saying thank you because I appreciate you. And um, there'll be, you know, I'll be circling back to y'all to send y'all some other things um, that are patron only. So, yeah, I hope that, um, you know, if you are so moved that you support the podcast via Patreon. And I appreciate any and all support that my listeners provide um let's see i think that is pretty much it so thank you so much for tuning in to black radical queer podcast um i appreciate you listening it means a lot to me and until next time i am out is a main hustle media podcast hosted by javia nicole brq is produced and edited by charmaine fury and the show's theme music was created by the brothers records you can connect with us on twitter or instagram at black rat queer that's b-l-k-r-a-d-q-w-r you can also connect with us on facebook through the black radical queer podcast facebook fan page or the brq discussion group you can get Black Rat Queer merch on teespring.com slash Black Rat Queer, B-L-K-R-A-D-Q-W-R. And you can leave a voicemail, call in, ask a question, those types of things on the BRQ Google Voice line. And that number is 937-601-8647. Main Hustle Media. Turn your side hustle into your main hustle.